your Bibles to the book of Luke. The book of Luke, chapter 8. I, again, need to just say we are taking this Sunday mornings, most of them, as a, a walk through the Bible, as a walk through the ministry of Jesus, one step at a time. Last week, last step, Jesus has healed. Jesus has healed uh, the demoniac from Gadara. But the people didn't like that. The people that he, he put the demon last, the demons into a herd of pigs, and then all the pigs ran into the, ran into the, uh, the sea and drowned. So now, when we get to Luke eight, thirty nine, Jesus, can I go with you? He says, No, return unto your own house and show great things. Luke eight thirty nine, and show how great things God has done to you. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done. Christ was driven away by the Gadarens. They were tired of him and wanting to be rid of him. But if some will not accept the blessings that Christ offers them, uh, others will. There's always people who are in great need and Jesus is willing to meet their needs. If some are not, not going to accept the blessings, others will. So, verse 40. It came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him for they were all waiting for him. I can just picture it too. They see the... They see the ship that Jesus is in, and, hey, Jesus is coming, he's coming, and then have this big rush down to the beach. The people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. That's not a bad thing to do, to be waiting for Christ. Verse 41, and behold, there came a man named Jairus. Now, he was famous. He was very gracious and good and a giver, and he had great faith. He was, he was the ruler of the local synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him that he would come to his house because, because he needed hope. He had lost all hope. Jesus was his last hope. Two things to notice. Jesus is attracted to those who need hope. Those who are weak. He's attracted to those. And two, up on the screen, in the homes where sickness and death are, it is very desirable to have the presence of Jesus Christ there as well. The presence of Jesus Christ. 4, 42. 
Jairus, he had only one daughter. The daughter was 12 years of age. And she lay dying. Jesus was her last hope. Last hope in his life. He'd, he'd done all the doctors and the medicines and all that. And now he's, he's a ruler of the synagogue. And he comes to Jesus. Put yourself in his shoes. First time as a newborn Christian, I, I heard a song that made me cry here at the end of this passage. Jesus is attracted. Verse 42, for he only had one daughter, 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. There is the desperate, there is the discipline of delays. I'm way down here. There is the discipline of delays, discipline of, of interruptions. Sometimes things don't happen the way we want them. Sometimes there, there, are, there are delays in our life. God, why don't you just heal me and get this, and get this done so I can serve you better, etc. But so often we learn more. We learn more while... There are interruptions when things don't happen the way we think they should go. The discipline of delays. Jesus is a multitasker, though. And the woman, verse 43, having an issue of blood for 12 years, which had spent all her living, all her money on doctors, Neither could any of them heal her. She was desperate. She was desperate, this act of desperation. She came from behind him, and she touched the border of his garment. And immediately her issue of blood was stopped. I wanted you to notice she came to Christ in a crowd and probably in that crowd there might have been dozens others who were also just as sick. Because of her issue of blood, she was an outcast to the synagogue. She was unclean. She could barely have anyone ever talk to her. She was a loner. And she had, again, only one hope. To touch the hem. Maybe if I could just, there's too many people to go talk to him. If I could just touch his hem, I could be healed. Now this woman was different from all the other sick people in that crowd because she, because she had great faith. Verse 45. And Jesus, Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied, Peter and all they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press thee. And you're asking who touched me? Only one person was touching him with great need and great faith. 
She was desperately needy. She was, Jesus was her last hope. Verse 46, Jesus said, somebody has touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, and people were, not me, not me, not me, I didn't touch it. I didn't touch you, Lord. She came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole, go in peace. Who touched me? Someone who was needy and someone who had faith. Listen, the true story is, she tells the story, and, but Jesus did something no one else was doing anymore. Jesus listened to her. She told him her story that's a great thing to do with people some people no one listens to them in anymore they they are the ignored the loner she told jesus her story and jesus listened to her full story while the father of the dying daughter was come on come on we gotta go we gotta go we gotta go we gotta go the discipline of delay for him Jesus listened while the crowd was waiting, while Jairus was waiting impatiently, I'm sure. All this time, the child, maybe crying, the child dying minute by minute. The miracle restored her health. But watch this. The listening restored her her dignity. He actually listened to her story and probably nobody had given her any attention for a very long time. And one of the lessons I want to teach this morning is be willing to listen to their stories, to people's stories. There are people here, even this morning, that they're, they're being overlooked by society. They're the outcast, maybe. They don't feel very important. Listen to their story. You will be amazed at how, how, how much people enjoy telling their story, their problem. The greatest gift, giving full attention to someone who is needy. Giving your full attention. Thy faith hath, hath made thee whole. There's no hiding from Christ. He wants us to pour out our hearts before him and to show before him all our sin, all our trouble. She came trembling, and yet her faith saved her. There may be trembling and fear where yet there is Saving faith. Wow. 
Verse 49 of our text. While he yet spoke, there came one of the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Thy daughter is dead. I didn't know the story. I didn't know the background. I had never read the story yet. I was a newborn Christian, and uh, somebody gave me a tape. There was those things that are strips like this, and I think they call them cassette tapes. Ever heard of them? Okay. And uh, I used to listen to my music laying on the floor with a pillow. And when this person, this servant, came to Jairus and said, Why bother the master? Your daughter's dead. I choked up and started crying. That's how important it is to some people. It's so important to introduce Jesus into their equation in their life. Don't trouble the master, your daughter's dead. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. And when he came into the house, he allowed no man to go in except Peter and James and John and the father and the mother of the maiden. And everyone wept and wailed, but he said, Weep not, she's not dead, she sleeps. And they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. Listen, in that day, you paid people by the hour to come and wail at your house. To come and, you, they were paid grievers, wailers. And these people were outside this man's house wailing and hurting themselves and crying out to God. And, uh, and when Jesus comes, what do they do? When Jesus says, she's not dead, they laugh him to scorn. You don't know what you're talking about. He does know. He does know. In some cases, he's the only one that knows. And that's what faith is. I know that I know that I know, and nothing can change that. I just know. Verse 51, And when he came into the house, he allowed no man to go in except for Peter, James, and John, and the father and mother. And all wept and wailed. But he said, Stop your crying. She's not dead. How would he know that? He hasn't been inside. He's God. He knows. He knows. And they laughed him to scorn, verse 53, knowing that she was dead. And he put them all out and took the little girl by the hand and called and saying, Maid, arise. And her spirit came again, and that means she was dead. Her spirit had left her. And her spirit came again, and she arose straightway, or right away, and he commanded to give her tacos. I'm craving tacos and I'm not allowed to have them anymore. <laughs> but what my wife doesn't know, Rodney. Okay. All right. 
Verse 55, and her spirit came again, and she arose right away, and he commanded to give her food. And her parents were astonished. But he charged them that they should tell no man what was done. And that's the name of that song, Don Francisco Got to Tell Somebody. Goes through the whole story, and then at the end, it, if you know how to do it, if you, go, if you know how to do it, get that song, Don Francisco Got to Tell Somebody. And the father was so, so, so excited that his little, his little girl lived. He went throughout the whole region because he has to tell somebody. Someone told Jairus about Jesus. We don't know who. Someone in his synagogue, someone was truly responsible for telling Jairus who to go to. That someone could be us telling others who to go to. Don't be fearful. Don't be ashamed. There, there are generals in the Old Testament that listen to their slave girls about prophets. They were healed because they listened and obeyed. Don't be afraid to share with others what Jesus can do. And I have said it in the past. They, they, they can make fun of you. But it's hard for them to argue your story, what you were, what happened, and what you are. Yes, someone told Jairus about Jesus, which gave him new hope and ultimately saved his daughter's life. I ask you to be ready in the first slide to turn to Romans chapter 5. It's, a, it's about five verses here of, of hope. And as I even look around, I look, at, I look at some of our people who have had cancers and defeated them. And I look at some people in our congregation who have cancer and it can be defeated. Watch. Hope. Romans 5.1 Therefore, being justified by faith. Justified is a fancy Greek word and it literally just means just as if I'd never sinned. Therefore, being justified by faith, by our faith. We know that we know that we know, and you can grow your faith. Some people have little faith and lots of fear. Other people have lots of fear and little faith. You can grow your faith. Growing your faith is to get to know him better. The more you know about Christ, the more faith you will have. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. That's that word again, hope. We stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Hard things, the, trouble, the troubling things. We glory in tribulations also, knowing that it's tribulation that works our patience. 
And it's patience that works our experience. And it's experience, all the successful experiences in life, that works our hope. That gives us hope. And hope makes us not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given to us. And hope makes us not ashamed, not disappointed, not depressed. Because, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is that invisible force of God living within the believer which is given to us. Both these two people in our story this morning, she walked into the marketplace wanting to have a word, a private word with Jesus. She couldn't get there. There must have been 10 deep people around him and moving as he moved. So she threaded her way in with hope. He was her last hope. Second person, first person in the story, Jairus. Jairus, Jairus had finally, he had hope. Somebody shared what Jesus could do. Somebody shared the experience of seeing Jesus heal people. He told Jairus, and Jairus ends up with great hope as well. And his hope was also fulfilled. Wow. Wow. What a great story for us. More about hope. Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope put off. Deferred, put off. You might have, well, we have maybe in our past. You, you might have had a bill put off, deferred, for a little bit. They defer your bill for one month or two months when it's put off you don't have you don't have it for a while hope put off when you don't have any hope for something it makes your heart sick i've always believed that the heart sickness there is depression sadness when you don't when when you have these goals in your life and sometimes our goals are are bad goals we just don't know it no one's ever pointed it out to us. But we want to do this. We want this thing. And when it doesn't happen, hope deferred makes us depressed. Also, when bad things happen to good people, it's kind of a, it's kind of a litmus test to see just how strong you are because bad things happen to good people in order to develop patience and hope in their lives. Hope deferred makes us depressed and sad. The loss of goals, the loss of jobs, the loss of life can give us depression. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. I, I, picture, I picture this woman getting through the, the crowd and getting to Jesus, and Jesus saying, I don't have time for you. No, that's not what he said. He had some very, very faithful woman in great need, and he met her need. I pictured 
I picture Jairus going up. My daughter is about to die. Could you come? Could you come and heal her? Can you picture Jesus ever saying no? No, I don't have time for that. Something's on the TV. Got something else to do more important. No. There's another famous verse, 1 Thessalonians 4.13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are, have died, that you sorrow not as others which have no hope. Others, there's two kinds of people when it comes to death. The, two kinds of survivors. There's those that sorrow and sorrow and sorrow and sorrow. And some people permanent, permanent broken heart. And they sorrow and sorrow. But there's others that don't sorrow as much. That you sorrow not as others which have no hope. That passed away loved one is happier than anyone in this room. That one that's gone on to heaven is receiving so much joy and happiness. Let's be happy for him. Let's be happy for her. And realize our hope, we will see them again. We will see them again. Even if it's in the sky, we'll meet them in the sky. Even as others which have no hope. There's a type of person that when bad things happen to they give up. They surrender. They have no hope. In Ephesians 12, I'm sorry, Ephesians 2, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants <coughs> of promise, and having no hope, and without God in the world. That's what you used to be, the previous verse. You used to be aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. You used to be strangers from the promises, the covenants of promise. And you used to have no hope without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made closer by the blood of Jesus Christ. Love that. We couldn't get close without his shed blood. There's no access without his shed blood. But since we have access into the holiest, we have his presence with us, we have this to hope for. The blood of Christ drew us in like a magnet. There's a, a very special verse found in Hebrews chapter 6, 18, that by two immutable, unchangeable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Verse 19, Hebrews 6, 19. Which hope? We have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and stand fast, and which enters into that within the veil. The veil is the innermost, innermost room of God. We have that. Why? He's our anchor. He's what holds us in place. Though, though the current goes sweeping through, in our lives. And it does. There's nothing you can do to change it. And 
I've been white water rafting. I'll never do it again. I was the only one, Bob, in the boat that hadn't gotten wet yet. Well, that didn't go well with the deacon, so they threw me in. <laughs> Wasn't fair, they said. But when you're on the when you're when when you're whitewater rafting and you're in these rafts and you're going down at one or two mile an hour, it is so peaceful. It is so wonderful, and there's all. All the trees and the, and the vegetation and the mountains depends where you're at. It is so wonderful. But then you hear the roar of what's coming. And we all have roars of what's coming. If not now, next week, next month, next year, be prepared for the white water. Because that's when it feels like you're, you're not going to make it. He's our anchor. He's what... He's what's holding us during the hard times, the tribulations. Having no hope. Huh. Which hope we have as an anchor? All the way back in verse 41. And he begged him that he would come into his house. Jairus, come into our house now. Let us feed you. Let us do something. He begged and he begged him that he would come into his house. Let's beg Jesus to come into our house, our home. Let's, let's be begging him. And on the way to begging him, let us think of Jairus, who was told not to tell anybody. Well, how do you do that? Your daughter's just been saved. We got to tell somebody. You have somebody's in your life. Wow. The overall point is this. Jesus touches people when he's invited. We have to invite Jesus to, to touch our lives and our homes. As musicians come, would you bow your heads? A sermon a story, two people's lives permanently changed. Does your life need to be changed? Does your life need to have hope? The first comment I make here is, if you've been depressed lately, if you're extra sad lately, look at what, look at what hopes and dreams have been have not been achieved. Look at your lives and what you've lost. Give it all to God. And make new goals. Have something to aim for. Have a finish line to aim for. So important in our, in our lives is, is to have something Jesus to aim for. Put that out there to you. I also got to tell somebody Jairus' daughter was raised from the dead. Her spirit had left. She was dead to everyone, and yet Jesus touched her.
order to arise. Some of us have been spiritually dead. Let Jesus touch you. Ask for his touch. Let him raise you from the spiritual dead as well. And then again, let's beg Jesus to come into our homes. Just a time of silent prayer for you to talk to God about this story, these stories, how it may have touched you. Just a few moments as the organist plays on. Lord Jesus, if there's someone here that needs my help in order to reach out to you and they want to invite you into their home, their heart, their lives, their marriages, let them do so now. They would say, Lord Jesus, right there in their pew, they would say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I know the penalty for being a sinner. is that I can't go to heaven. And I can't have your touch now. In times of need, I can't have you. Lord, forgive me for my sin. Come into my heart, my home, my family, my marriage. Be my Savior and my Lord. I need your touch, Lord. Lord, I want your touch. I beg for your touch to raise me up from the spiritually dead. In Jesus' name, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, if anyone prayed that prayer, just that I might see, didn't would you raise your hand that I might see you? Lord Jesus, you're, you are so wonderful. You go where you're needed. You go where you're wanted. Ask you, Lord, to, to touch each one here and direct our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.